Well, welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell podcast. I am, as usual, Jodell, and I am so excited to share with you that health is an inside job, according to the next lady that I'm going to talk to. Lee Ankrum is a functional bodywork practitioner with 34 years of experience in teaching and in her own private practice, as well as teaching students, and is internationally recognized as a body worker that believes that health is an inside job. We have to look inside the body to address the issues both inside and outside of the body as a whole system that works together. So we're going to talk about that. Together with her institute, the Ankrum Institute, Lee believes in principles, not just techniques, listening to the body, not applying formulas, but empowering not fixing. So I love that. I love that we're going to be talking about empowering the body today and empowering the person. So Lee, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. And can I make one little teeny correction and say yeah. that I actually January makes my beginning of my 37th year of working? Oh, fantastic. Good. Yeah. Well, you got to. Every year counts. <laughs> I love yes, that. Yes. <laughs> A labor of love, but a labor nonetheless. Yes, absolutely. Because you can tell that you're passionate about helping people find their optimal health. And, you know, nutritionists work with food like myself, but you're working from a different avenue. You're working from the word functional and how the body can be functional if you give it the proper conditions. So let's start with that word functional, because that's different than a massage therapist. I want people to know that right off the back, that a functional body work practitioner, we're not talking about massage today. We're talking about something completely different, which I love. And the reason why I wanted to have you on is that so many people have issues and are not functioning right in today's world. And what would you say, based on what we're going to be talking about, is the reason why? Why is everybody so dysfunctional in their body? You know, well, let me speak to the, to the word functional first, mm -hmm. is that when I'm looking, when I sit back to work with somebody, or even in my teaching style, is I am taking, for example, taking someone's symptoms and putting them into a bigger context, a bigger picture of both who they are, you know, what and what are possibilities that can be creating the symptoms. So originally I used to say, the way I used to say this is we're always looking for the core issue so that we can help resolve the core issue that will then trickle through and help the symptom, because right. otherwise we're just constantly working on the symptom. So that's what functional is. Functional is treating somebody as a whole, treating them as a whole. I mean, it's such an important concept, and it's missing in a lot of our regular medicine, mm -hmm. is that we're focused on the symptoms, and therefore we're not looking at what is the bigger picture going on. Okay. And so the bigger picture has lots of, to me, has lots of layers to it. One is, is that Nutri I mean, nutrition is absolutely part of the bigger picture. There is no question in my mind that nutrition, and that half of the people that come in, if they were doing the correct nutrition, would have a lot less symptoms. Abs absolutely. But there's also belief systems, and there's also, you know, other things at play. So when I'm teaching the students, um, I'm also teaching one of the big pieces that allows that has, um, a, how, do I, how do I want to say this to you, is that one of the biggest pieces is how the organs are also functional. On a, on a, staying on the physiological level is the organs, because each, each of the organs have pain patterns, 
have symptom patterns to them. And so, you know, really looking at what are the symptoms and what are the possibilities for them to come, where, are they, where can they come from? Mm-hmm. But this, this becomes really con- complicated in a way because I've been, you know, I'm always studying something. And so lately what I've been studying is, is weirdly enough, mold. Okay. Ooh, so, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because okay. So here, let me give an example. The pain patterns that come out in the body out of the kidney. Okay. So the physical pain pattern is that you can have pain in your low back, which is so common for it, the low back pain to be coming from kidneys. You can have it all the way down, so into your SI joint, into the the, the joint in the back of the hip there. You can have it going down the leg and grab the knee. You can have somebody be who walks on their toes because more of a toe walker because there's so much tension and congestion in the kidneys. Mm-hmm. Now, but the other thing that kidneys can do is that kidneys can, 60% of your blood goes through your kidneys every minute. Right. So what can happen is, is if I have congestion in my kidneys for whatever reason, for whatever reason, is that it can give me high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So I, there are other reasons for high blood pressure, but from a body work, functional body work standpoint, that's what I'm going to look, at, you know, kind of feel for if somebody's coming in and in their list of symptoms they have things like high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Congestion in your kidneys can make ringing in the ears. Mm-hmm. It, can do more, it can do more pressure in your eyes. So there's a lot of things that are both physiological and on a biochemical functioning level of the body that you can have these symptoms from. But here's an interesting thing. When I was studying mold in the last month or month and a half is that one of the things that mold does is really disrupt the hypothalamus. Yes. Now, yes, and you know what the you know about the hypothalamus and one of the things is that directly the hypothalamus is directly orchestrating the kidney and the adrenals. Mm-hmm. But what it'll do is it'll create a dehydration situation in your in your kidneys. Mm-hmm. So am I going to have symptoms coming out of my kidneys because I have mold because it's hitting my hypothalamus? So this is the whole thing about functional is that I'm, we, functional people, I'm looking for like where do we, where are we tracing this to? Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. And of course, mold in the hypothalamus does mold does oh, many things in the body, like you know, fatigue, memory loss, or you know, confused, hard to work for word retrieval, really high allergies. I mean, so there's you know, there's a lot. So it's so interesting how you you know we trace it to the kidney, but then like what's creating the issue in the kidney? So you have to even tra- track back. Maybe mold is maybe mold is it. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe the, you're really really toxic. You're taking in a lot of toxicity. So it's these kind of things that you that I or any of us that are helping people back to health because that's what we're doing. I'm not fixing anybody. I'm helping you walk the path back to health as your partner next to you. And the deal is is that how do even though I'm a body work person like what where do i need to send you or how do we need to look bigger than just the symptoms to get my gist? 
Oh, 100%. Because like, my title is a functional nutrition therapy practitioner. And so it's like, I have to look at the root If they come in and they say, well, you know, I'm having burping after meals. Well, I'm not just going to give them an antacid, right? I want to know why are you having burping after meals? Let's go deep into the north to south process of the digestion and figure out what's causing that. So that's what I think drew me to you is that you said that word core issue. I want to go to the core or the root of the problem and figure out what it is. And you're so spot on because like I've had clients that have like chronic low back pain and they keep going to chiropractors and they're not getting better because it's mm-hmm. not it's not a muscular thing when it's on both sides. Like you mentioned with the kidneys, it could be both kidney related and adrenals sit right on top of the kidneys. So I'm sure you see that too. And it's like... I do. And, you know, on the left side, the pancreas is sitting on top of the kidneys. So the pancreas can have some dysfunction in whatever for whatever blood sugar way it's having or insulin way it's having. And then it can create tension in the kidney and have the pain going down the, only the left side. So it isn't, and you know, the right kidney sitting under the liver. So there's so many things with the liver, as as we know, you and I know. Is that, yeah. So it it really, how is it starting? So then you look and say it's the kidney, but then you have to go, why is the kidney yeah. going on? What is what's upstream from the kidney? Like what's upstream from that? And that's you know can be toxicity. I mean, somebody can be so toxic. If, eating, you know, foods that have lots of junk and drinking, you know, bad water or whatever, and creating those scenarios. So you take a pretty extensive health history because I was listening to you talk about, like, you don't just have them fill out this paperwork. They have Mm -hmm. to, like, you have to sit with them and you're asking them questions, which is what I do too. I love that. Uh, But from that dysfunction question that I mentioned earlier, what have you seen as like one of the major factors behind somebody with like pent up tension in their body or that low back pain or, you know, what, what's that why that's in there that you seek out with that health history and the answers that you get? One of the biggest things about me taking the history form is, well, several things about it. One is, is that most people don't answer that a depth that gives you enough information. So if you say that, you know, have you had any major illnesses, and they'll say no, but then they've had several, you know, pneumonia as a baby, but they don't count that and things like that. So I want to be, ask, I ask the questions because it elicits more full and better responses. And with their response, then I go on to ask, I may, it may take me a little bit down another path just so that I can get this more filled out, you know, get mm-hmm. that, the, the whole picture more filled out. But here's, to answer your question a little more directly, because I like to go off on <laughs> is that one of the big things about my history coaching is not only to find out what's happened to you, what, why you're coming, what's happened to you, what's big, is I'm trying to find out how much trauma you've there you go. I'm trying to find out how much trauma you have, and there are certain symptoms or certain responses that tell me, you know, kind of keep proving my theory to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One of them is, hello, you and I are wearing glasses. How old were you when you first needed correction? So anybody needing correction before the age of like 40, 35, 40, is telling me that they've had enough birth trauma to have trauma. Wow. Right, that's needing correction early. Mm-hmm. There's other things like ear infections. 
ear infections may tell me, excuse me, it's a birth trauma thing as well. There's all sorts of things like traumas are going under anesthesia. So what kind of surgeries and how many have you had? Car accidents, falls, those certain kinds of falls. I'm looking for anything that would actually put shock in the body because another symptom of trauma is constipation. So when someone's constipated, I have to decide whether, you know, not decide, but I'm, once again, I'm always in the proving or disproving my theory in my head, you know, the theory of the deal. And so one of the deals is, is that the more trauma somebody has is carrying. And whether that trauma is coming out looking like stress or the trauma is coming out looking like I'm shy or the trauma is coming out looking like I'm too aggressive or there's many, there's many looks to traumas with many physiological symptoms. And so the more trauma somebody's carrying, the less you can change their system. Mm, and that's, that again, yeah. The more trauma somebody's carrying, the less you can actually change the system. Because think about this. So trauma, big trauma, shocking, shock trauma, okay, is <clears throat> shock trauma goes in the body and what it does is turn on or amp up the sympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system, which has the fight or flights in it. Well, the more that goes on, the more I'm in an unconscious guarding mode and guarding, and I'm not going to change. So that is, besides me knowing what you've been through, besides me knowing, like, basically why you've come and how you're doing, I want to know if your body can actually give itself over to create changes. And I don't care whether that's nutrition, chiropractic, I don't care what the therapy or the modality is, they're not changing if the trauma is too high in the body because the body cannot go there. It's not even, and trust me when I say, it's not a conscious choice. It is the body's reptilian part of them is on and protecting them from changing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking for. That, that's one of the biggest things, and you know as well as I do, that right now what's going on in the world is trauma is huge. High. Yeah. It's huge. So unlike in my whole 36.9, whatever, two weeks to 37, <laughs> is like in all those years, in all those years, I am telling you I've never seen anything like it, what's going on now. Agreed, 100%. Like, there's more trauma, there's more anxiety, there's most, more social anxiety, there's more tension, there's more stress, there's everything is Every coupled just in the last three years. So, but you're so spot on because with nutrition too, it's like you have to go to the trauma, maybe what somebody said to them as a child to trigger an eating, you know, a food struggle or yes. some idea that was forced into them that now they carry with them about a certain type of food or about a behavior or something like that. Well, those and, are in the... Those are in the belief system. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Definitely. And you mentioned that sick is it sixty to seventy percent of our trauma is is kind of manifesting in certain organs of our body. Yes. Did I say that? I, I don't know. <laughs> Did I say that sometime? I don't know. Um, no, I you know I don't you know um, personally I think it permeates through everything, mm. and you never know what's going to actually access it. The, to me, the biggest part of the trauma is not necessarily, I mean, it can be anywhere. You know, this whole thing where people have maps 
you know? I mean, there's a general map, the liver is anger, you know this, the kidneys are fear. You know, there's general maps like that. But I personally think you never know when you're going to come into and meet what's the trauma that's happening. You never know. Although it happens more when I'm doing cranial sacral than in any other work, okay? In any other work. Because cranial is accessing, when you do cranial sacral work, it's accessing all of the systems of the body, and it's directly in communication with the and the autonomic nervous system. So it's in direct communication with us. So, but what where trauma gets stored is in all the parts of the brain but differently. I mean, it's going into the brainstem, so it's changing the automatic processes, the heart rate. It can change, you know, breath, breathing, all that stuff, muscle tone, blood pressure, all that's from the from the from the brainstem with trauma. The other thing is, is that the midbrain, you have the amygdalas are in the midbrain or the limbic system, and the, the, the amygdalas are the part of us, I'm gonna say this really loosely because it does a, a bunch of things, but it's the part that can actually filter out stimulus. Okay. Right? So the amygdalas, which are located sort of in the brain around your ear area, and those amygdalas are your filter. Well, the more trauma you have, the more they are, they can't be effective. So the problem is you have trauma and they can't filter out as much stimulus. So you've seen those people who are like you're sitting and talking to them and they're watching, their eyes get drawn to every movement that's going on and that's because their amygdala cannot bring them and keep them focused in here. Okay. So, and then one of the big places else where there is trauma stores is in the prefrontal cortex. So every part of the brain actually has it. So you have it in the prefrontal cortex. So it's it's just big. It's just really, really big. And birth, birth styles are getting worse over these last 20, 25 years because I've been studying birth trauma since the mid-1990s. And they're getting worse in the last 10 or 15 years. And so there's more trauma in more people like Wow, there's a lot to unpack because I want to talk about like not minimizing trauma because one person's little bitty issue is another person's like huge trauma. So like trauma can be anything too, right? So I think people listening to this need to understand you what you went through might seem like you shouldn't be grieving that or you shouldn't have to deal with that stress that you're holding on to, but you have to. Like I've even started doing something called crying therapy where like I had some trauma of losing my parents at a younger age. And I thought, you know, maybe these like bags under my eyes that I tend to go towards their unshed tears. Maybe I haven't grieved. And honestly, since I've started doing it, they've been better. So it's oh, like, good for you. yeah, I was learning some Chinese medicine that talked about the unshed tears under the eyes. And I was like, maybe I didn't grieve. Maybe, maybe we didn't grieve, you know, that when, like in my case, I was never able to give birth naturally to a baby. Like I wasn't able to be fertile, but I was grateful to be able to adopt a daughter. Yet, did I ever grieve the fact that I wasn't able to do the role as a woman, which is right. to give birth to a child. So did I grieve that? Like even little insignificant things that we can forget about. Did we grieve that? Did we deal with that trauma? So maybe touch on, yeah. have you seen people do that and make change? Well, changes? I have to make a couple. Sure. Things, say a couple things about what you said. Number one is, is you're absolutely right, is we should not compare ourselves. Is that my piece that affects me 
may not have affected somebody else and vice versa. And nothing is, I don't think anything small, but you are describing emotional trauma. Okay. There's a difference between emotional trauma and shock trauma. Okay. Emotional trauma has memory, it has crying, it has all of that stuff to it, connection, you can connect to it. But shock trauma that comes from things like birth, which is overwhelming, car accidents, anesthesia, all of these things that are big or hitting your head, getting concussions, falling on your tailbone, all of these pieces put a shock wave, like there's a shock wave into the body. And that's a different trauma. That's shock trauma, whereas you're describing emotional trauma. Because when, tra when shock trauma starts to come, shock trauma is the one that changes your brain, whereas emotional trauma does not. It can be stored in your limbic system, in your midbrain, but it's, it's accessible, and it has memory to it, and it has emotion to it, whereas this other does not. But the other is what starts to change you and restrict you at a really great level. And it's the one that's stopping some, stopping uh, work from being able to come in and make changes. So there's two different kinds of trauma, emotional and shock, okay? So people have to understand that, that there's these two, okay? And they're dealt with differently. Like you doing crying therapy, kudos to you. That's emotional, okay? The other is shock trauma. You have to work with a therapist that actually knows how to access it carefully, or you're going to somebody maybe who's doing cranial sacral that will access it. So it's a different kind of it's on a different kind of plane. Okay? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because it sounds like one like the emotional is more of the conscious trauma that we've been through, and then what you're talking about is almost subconscious trauma that we have no recollection of. But yet, once you realize that possibly that's where it's stemming from, that's where something like craniosacral, which maybe you should describe what that is, because there's still a lot of people that don't know this, but it is transformational. Like I've had it done and it is just phenomenal. Yeah, it can be. It really can be very transformational. And, you know, cranial sacral is, is, is work is a system in the body. It is a body system because there's many. Mm -hmm. And cranial sacral is working with, so the parts of the cranial sacral system are the bones of the head, the sacrum, the bone at the bottom of your spine. It is the layers of membrane that are inside your head, there's three main layers inside your head connecting to the bones and around the brain. And that those membranes go all the way down, continuous down your, around your spine and connect into your sacrum here at that bone. And in between two layers, there is the circulation of cerebral spinal fluid. But to say that this is the cranial sacral system does not do the justice or talk about the possibility and the potential in that system. It is weird how the cranial sacral system is part of the regulating of all the other systems in the body. So it's so weird that you can go and I can work on all the systems. But the thing about cranial that's kind of interesting is the fact that I may come on to your head, okay, and hold your head. It, and sometimes it's incredibly gentle, and then every once in a while you have to do something that's a little decompacting. And um, this kind of work can go into physical, to make physical changes in the body. It can go in and let trauma out. It can go in and work on fields and level of the self that's like, wow, 
you know, like, wow. And so its potential is there. It's also the person on the table and the person doing it, how they create this together, how something is created together, and what possibility opens. So you can never lay down for cranial sacral and think that this is, oh, this is going to happen. Because it's not, because the potential for anything is there. You know, it's wild. It is so difficult to explain. It is a part of my program. Every module in my training has cranial sacral in. So, and they, you, you, you have to learn how to even be sensitive to what you're feeling. And then you have to grow in that until you get to the place where it becomes almost like this, I don't even know how to describe it, you know, like something that's so freaking amazing it's unbelievable you know what i mean it, it really is it's like, wow yeah yeah because when i had i correct me if i'm wrong but it's like they it's just subtle movements that you teach how to move the the little bones that are sutured together and sometimes yeah. the sutures what i call cross contaminate they can cross <laughs> over instead of connect like a puzzle piece correct not exactly they don't end up crossing over what it okay. is is and the sutures as you get older the sutures actually there's there's an inherent movement in all of the bones, the membranes, and the fluid. There's an inherent movement in every single part of you, and so the cranial system, sacral system has this inherent movement. And in the sutures that look like these interdigitated pieces, mm -hmm. that 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 inherent movement that's supposed to be there is one where it's almost like it's breathing. You know, to be one where it's almost like it's breathing. Sure. And what oftentimes happen is, is that the sutures actually get compacted more together and they can't express that. So, gotcha. you know, you can have it because when you're just being born, you don't have this. This interdigitation stuff happens as you get up and you start moving. And if any, anybody out there has had babies and know that the soft spots and the fontanelles and stuff are there to allow the bones to actually come together to get through the canal and then open back up. And, but they can, they can overlap. That can happen through that. And that's one of the things that should get, people should have cranial sacral on their babies. Like I do it within hours or within a day or two or a week. Like don't pass go and have that done to your baby. Seriously, I do newborns like, all the time. Oh, so, I wish yeah. I had known that when I had my my daughter. But like, as far as like when they're eight, like children benefit from cranial sacral too. Oh, totally. Okay. Everybody, I think just about everybody can benefit from cranial yeah. sacral, unless you have a belief system that doesn't work. Okay. Because it's hard to believe that somebody sitting there holding your head, feeling like they're doing nothing, is doing anything. Yeah. And I say that to people. Yeah. I say. So you're laying on the table kind of wondering, why am I paying her any money for doing that? And I always say profound things are happening, things that you can't even feel at the time sometimes. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible body of That's awesome. So let's go into some of the pain patterns. Can you describe some symptoms that are really common, like you mentioned with the kidneys, but maybe some other patterns that people listening can go, wow, could that be that what she's saying versus what I thought it was, which is just, you know, my sciatica or my IT band or whatever. So what are some common pain patterns? Okay. So one thing I want to say, I'm going to give you guys, because here's what, as you said it before in, in my intro, is, is that my school, though I teach techniques for everything, mm -hmm. from your eyes to 
getting your ear canals lined up, to your liver, to how to make your ankle work correctly. I mean, we do the gambit and we do everything, okay? But one of the principles that I teach is this, is that if I'm stuck somewhere, like somewhere is stuck and not moving, okay, a joint is not moving, some other joint is going to have to become hypermobile in order to manage. Because if I'm locked here, something has to go, kind of has to be hypermobile to, to compensate for the lock. Okay, so based upon that idea, I'm going to give you this, is I'm going to take go from the kidney thing. Okay. So your kidneys live right near where the end of my thorax, okay, so to my T12, and my bottom ribs, and my kidneys are there, and, and my kidneys sort of sort of go right next to maybe T11, 12, L1, L2, my lumbar spine. Okay, they live they live there basically, basically. And what happens is is that if I have congestion in my kidneys, it locks up those joints, T10, T11, T12, L1, L2. It's going to lock me over there if I have for a while, if I'm having it for a while. What does that do? It hypermobilizes L4, L5, and S1. Where does everybody have their blown discs and their herniations? Yep. L4, L5, S1. Is that not where everybody, many people are getting fused? Is that not where we have bulging discs? Is that not where we have all these problems? And then they have nerve pain going down their leg. But where? Where did it start? It's, it's so common for it to start what they call in the kidneys or some kind of dysfunction in the kidneys. Then it will lock up. So not only does it make the soft tissue tight and actually give you back pain, okay, in low back pain. That's super common. But what it will also do is lock up those joints, those vertebrae, and make them actually, um, you know, compacted, restricted. That's the word I want to use. But anyway, um, it will lock them up so that they become immobile. And what has to happen is someplace else has to become hypermobile. Well, you're not going to get hypermobile in because of all the ribs above. You're going to get hypermobile below in the lumbars where there's nothing else that really supports the lumbar. So your L4, L5, and your S1, the top of your sacrum, the discs in between them get overworked because you become hypermobile to compensate for the for the lock that's above. So then what happens is you get these bulging discs, blown discs, and there's other reasons for them as well, but this is one of them. This is one of the reasons that they're also overused. The lower the lower vertebrae become overused. So that's a principle that I teach is that if something's locked somewhere, something else has to become hypermobile. And where the hypermobility is it's not where the original core issue is, but it's where the pain is. Mm -hmm. So that's where the pain is, is in the hypermobility side. So that's why people have that. Those kind, that's another example of how functionally you have to look bigger in the body. Mm -hmm. Well, that other, makes so much other sense. Other really common is like for the liver. It's very common. You have the right shoulder and your right neck being dependent, right? When there's, um, I'm trying to think what else. So your small intestines attach to your lumbars, and they attach to, they attach mainly to L3 and L4, 
And then they're inside a fascial bag. They're in a bag, and the bag attaches to L3, L4, and it attaches to the right side of the front of your sacrum. So what can happen is, is that if I have a lot of bloating, you know, is that if there's a lot of bloating, then what will happen is my intestines will pull my lumbars forward into my body. So they'll pull them what's called anterior into my body. And when it does that, then what happens is it's going to give me more low back pain, another way to have low back pain. So I think that that statistic that you were trying to say earlier is this the statistic was not about trauma, but that about it's about pain patterns that are coming out. Well, obviously, like it wasn't said exactly right because I say sixty-five to ninety percent of pain in your soft tissue is coming from your organs. Okay. But I think that's the statistic. Yes. Yeah. Is that most pain in your muscles? It's not coming from your muscle unless you injured that muscle. Mm -hmm. It's coming usually from an organ, which is why your work is like so needed for people. It's because people are coming in here bloated, and unless somebody takes care of what is happening on a you know nutritional, biochemical, functional level, and you know biological level, then I can keep working on your low back, but you're going to keep coming in with it. So you can't, I can't get help to help your body. We can't help your body get to the other side of this if you're not making these other kinds of changes. So spot on, but it's not just me. It's you too, because you're, you're telling these people like this, this is why you're not getting relief from the things that you're doing musculo wise, like going or, or bone wise, going to a chiropractor. Like you, you right. see all these people that are like, I've been dealing with this sciatica for this long. And maybe it's not just a joint issue. Maybe it's something deeper than that. And exactly. it's, it's really neat to hear somebody like yourself come out and say that because yes, there is so much that goes into nutrition and uh, taking care of the, the mobility of your body, but also I can't touch on the trauma that you're talking about because that that's that trauma that they didn't know that they even had until you took their health history. So it's really cool that you're able to pinpoint that. Well, absolutely. And the other thing is, is that by the time somebody's in some dysfunction, the organs need help of my kind and yours. Mm -hmm. So it needs both because by the time there's dysfunction, because another really big thing, I don't know, I did a podcast with a woman um, I'd say, I don't know, three, four, five years ago or something like that. And it was on scar tissue versus adhesions right, in the body. Okay? And it's really, it was powerful. And one of the things that happens is, is that we all know where scar tissue comes from. It comes when I've had a surgery and they've cut into me and then they're repairing and the body sends scar tissue in order to repair the area that had a destabilization from being cut. But there's also adhesions. And adhesions are these occur because I have dysfunction in something. And what happens is, is that when I have it long enough, let me also say that everything, there's almost nothing except some nerves in the body that is not covered in fascia, fascial membrane, membrane. Everything is covered in fascia, everything. And so what happens is, so... It just has different names in different places around my kidneys because we've been talking about this. Is renal fascia. 
Around my lungs is the pleura. Around my heart is the pericardium. It just has different names. And it's just wrapping everything everywhere. Okay, back to dysfunction and adhesions. When something's in dysfunction, whatever my organ is in dysfunction, it changes my fascia that's around it and affects my neighbor's fascia. And they adhese together. And then it makes whoever was in this other fascia, whether it's my large intestine sitting right next to my small intestine, it will begin after a long time to make dysfunction in its neighbor. Okay? So I am affected by what is happening with my neighbor in the body, and I adhese together. So adhesions are creating really big, create a lot of really big issues. So one of the things that, has, that needs to happen is not only do you need the health coming from nutritional change, what kind of water you're drinking, and of course there's usually supplements to bring back the gut and all the other stuff, is, but also you need someone like us who is going to now actually normalize and help break up the adhesions so that everybody can be in as most health or optimum health that they can be. So it's not just one one prong. It you know health getting back to health is multi pronged, and a lot of times it's also therapy, certain kinds of therapy. There's even you know there's psychological therapy, which is good, but it's good for emotional trauma. Then you have trauma therapists who are doing things like EMDR and different things like that. And then there's now they're talking about working with other kinds of frequencies and other therapies that are helping with even the other fields, the other realms of us. So it can be a multi-pronged approach, you know, to getting healthy, to getting well. Yeah, I think it should be because, you know, just changing, you know, just somebody going gluten-free, they can't affect all of the systems of their body. They're going to get some good results, but it can't touch everything. So I love what you're saying. Well, our, I think our biggest problem in our culture is, is that people think one and done. Right. You know, yeah. I'm going to do this one thing, and that's going to do it, and if it doesn't do it, then I can't be helped. So that's a problem, too. Is the way you said it earlier, belief systems and how belief systems play in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to go back to the fascia, because I heard you say that the fascia is um, electroconductive, like it's conductive as far as like, so to me, that makes me want to talk about two things with regard to that, since you said everything has fascia, is dehydration is huge, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you see that. But also, are we being affected uh, at the fascia level from the conductivity of all of these electromagnetic devices around us? If I could scream on your pa- your thing, I would. <laughs> and say, yes, absolutely. You know, is that, so fascia is like this amazing. Like, I started as a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, for the first many years, everything was about a muscle, muscle, everything, and muscle, 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 muscle. Right. But I have come fascia, fascia, fascia. Okay. Over these years, I've definitely changed my tune. And fascia is so powerful. It is like... It has consciousness. It has. It does conduct electricity. It conducts your hormones through your body. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of things. It's protective. It's you know. It helps things. It helps structures to glide next to each other. And the more dehydrated you are, the more dehydrated your fascia becomes. So we'll say this in a very simple way: 
fascia is a semi-viscous. So that means fascia is semi-fluid. Mm-hmm. And it's that way on purpose as to be, it's a, it's a much better conductor and also lets things move next to each other, slide and glide and so forth as it does, you know. But, um, but EMFs, like electromagnetic frequencies, will definitely disrupt how the communication system is happening to your body. And one of the big things that EMFs disrupt, so it disrupts a lot of stuff. One of the other big thing it disrupts is that your heart, which your heart is actually like the center of the world. It's just, it's just more than the brain. Do you know that there's more electro, there's more frequency in your heart than there is in your brain? Like, yeah, really, like, like why they do an EKG. That's the electrical pulses of the heart. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, so one of the things that EMF does, we have so many people with arrhythmias. And it can, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything is, but it can be that the EMFs are getting you and the the rollout of 5G really, really is hitting it. The other thing that does that the EMFs do is that the EMFs produce free calcium ions floating through the body and it's these free calcium ions that actually break into cells that allows we have cancer naturally occurring in us. We have a lot of things that naturally occur in us that are not harmful unless then the, the system, our system, then changes to create a scenario where it can get us. You know, we have all sorts of bacteria and funguses and molds and everything. It's just like, how does it, you know, how do we, you can say it, you know, like how do we, a weakness is created and therefore it can take hold. So, but one of the things is, is that it's why cancer is spreading more. One of the many reasons why cancer is spreading more is because these calcium ions that are free radicals in the body are breaking cell walls and therefore the cancer can get in. So, preach it, sister. Preach it. Preach it, sister. I want more people to hear this. I mean, it's, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's really true. So it's a real, you know, it's a really big deal. And the problem is, is because people can't see them, they don't know that it's affecting them. And people are on the devices or wearing eye watches and stuff like that, uh, which when you wear an eye watch or you wear something like that, and you know, something that has Wi-Fi that's going to your watch, you are pulling it right in your body. Whammo, right into your body. Same with the AirPods, you know, people wearing the little oh. AirPods. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're just pulling it, you're just pulling it in all the time. I mean, I'm even of the belief that you should turn off your, turn off your Wi-Fi in your house at night. Yeah, at all possible. I I preach that to my clients. That's one of their protocols: is they have to turn off the Wi-Fi. That when you're not using your phone, do not use it unless it's like text or call. Like it doesn't need to be words with friends. It doesn't need to be numbing out on social media. Like use it for what it's intended for, and then get it away from you. You know. So exactly. Yeah, I just don't trust it, and yeah, the technology is getting stronger. Don't, yes, and don't sleep with anything in your room. No TVs, no computers, no phones, no no iPads, no nothing. You know, and I have a client, I love this guy. Oh, my God, I've had him for a long time. He's really wonderful, really wonderful person. And he was telling me that he's got this new bed that, like, monitors him. 
and reads what is happening. And the guy's like on high sympathetic tone anyway. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got to get rid of that bed. You know what I mean? It's like he's got a bed that's electric, or electric turned Wi-Fi. on with an EMS right to him. It's like, wow. You know. Yeah, the well, internet anyway, of things. don't realize like, how much they're really getting affected by all this stuff. And it's one of the biggies. It is one of the biggies. I'm so glad to hear you say that because it's that internet of things, the toaster that tells you when your toast is done on your cell phone. Like, come on, we can hear it pop up or the, you know, baby diapers with chips in them. Like I keep talking about this because I can't remember. I can't imagine that people are using baby diapers with chips to tell you when your baby's wet. Like, oh my God, are you serious? I've never heard this. Yeah, no, it's real. It's legit. And it's sad. The thing about about babies and children is they're like butter. So that stuff is going in. Why do you think there's an increase in childhood leukemia? Hello? Hello? Mm -hmm. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And also, you know, I'm very lucky. I I don't work at home anymore. I have, like, a lot of things going on. But I used to work at home, and when they were decided to come and change all the meters to smart meters, they didn't ask anybody. They just showed at your house and did it. So I was really grateful that I was home and saw them and told them no. And then three months later, they came again. I had to tell them no again. And then, like, six months later, I was working on a client. I go, I'll be right back. And I went tearing out of my house, livid. Like, how many times do I have to say no before you don't put that on? So that pulsing meter is just like, so I don't have one in my house. I have to pay extra to have them come out to read my meter, but I don't care. Right. I would do it, too. It's good that you had the option. In Missouri, we didn't have the option. They just put it up, and you couldn't say anything about it. So it must be different in Oklahoma. But that's why I don't live at that house anymore. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, you had to pay. I had to pay $75 just to write the paperwork that says no. And then I have to pay $25 a month. Yeah. And it's so good to hear you talk about this because I preach this on my podcast, but it's good to hear another practitioner say, you guys, like, look at this stuff. It's non-native to the human body, and it's going to cause repercussion, and it's going to cause pain, and it's going to cause dis-ease in the body. So we have to do what we can to mitigate it because it's only getting worse. It's only getting stronger. And at least with what's in our realm, like you said, turning off your Wi-Fi, not sleeping with the enemy, that's what I call it, the cell phone Mm -hmm. by your head, and then turning it off and getting it away from you when you don't need it you know and using wired earbuds instead of the airpods like you said don't don't attach something to your body that makes you a cell tower now that the signal can just come into you you know because that's what's happening so that is what's happening yeah that's awesome there's a guy there's a there's a doctor who's german and he moved to the states in the 1980s and he real he's a doctor doctor and he realizes he realized that people were getting sick in a whole nother way and that he had to do the future. So he's one of these people that gets the sickest of the sick, you know what I mean? But he's he's become, I mean, he's an MD doctor, but he's become alternative and everything. And he won't even work with you unless you mitigate your Wi-Fi, uh, your, your EMFs. Unless you mitigate the whole deal, you have to wear something, you have to have, you know, this whole thing. Of course, he's got really sick people. But you cannot have all of that going on and work with him. He won't do it. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's awesome. So when, before we wrap up here, since you brought up the mold, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that a little bit. Like, 
because I went through a whole toxic mold exposure. So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about things you're discovering about, you know, pain patterns in the body. Mine were specifically my liver and my eyes that were really torn apart, not to mention my thyroid, but like the mold, does it hit the, to me, it seems like it hits the weakest areas of the body or maybe oh, in your case where you're having the most shock trauma or something. Right. Or just the most, you know, wherever you have what I call a facilitated pathway, meaning okay. like you have an easiest pathway. So if you're if if you tend to have your symptoms in your respiratory, then it's going to go to your respiratory. If you have your symptoms, and it will elevate your pain. So it elevates your pain. It really heightens anything like allergy, anything to do with the liver as well, because your liver actually has to process the mycotoxin. Right. So. It really elevates a lot to do with the liver. It can hit your thyroid. It can hit, you know, and like we said, dehydrate the kidneys, elevate the stress patterns. Um, oh, my God, I have a sheet that's about, like, a page and a half long of all the symptoms that you can get. Vertigo. Everything. You know, memory stuff, confusion, fatigue is such a big one. Um, you know, a lot of nasal and, infect, you know, infections in there. You can have, I'm trying to think what else. There's just a ton of them. And some of them that I was just like shocked at. I was like shocked that that could be, a, a, you know, like a mold symptom. But here's the thing that I've been reading is that one is in order to get the mold out of you, it's a big process. And, of course, you have to look at your environment to see if it has mold. But the other thing is is that each of the different kinds of mold, because there's different kinds, have different binders and different different things to get it out. So one of the big things they tend to do is give you glutathione to really get the to really get it moving up and out. Okay, but the question becomes, what's going to bind to that particular type of mold? Okay, because the binders tend to be charcoal, bentonite clay. Then there's also chlorella. And I'm forgetting what the fourth one is. And different molds, it will only mold, like you may have one a mold that two of them are a binder, but but you have to get the right binder for the, for the mold that you've got. That's why it just can't be, oh, I have mold. You know, it has to be that I have mold and I look at what, I have to find out what kind. Right? So it's important that the test happens for what kind of mold so you can use the right kind of binder. And the other thing it is that I have learned over these last couple of months, because I always thought healing crises were okay. You know what I mean? Like when somebody goes into a healing crisis, as long as it's not too huge, you're okay. So I've read a few, a few books these recently, and it says, no, you need to do micro, micro dosing to get the mold out. And the person, if the person starts elevating in symptoms, you really need to bring the symptoms back down and just be pulling a little at a time. So it's going to take you take one longer. Yeah. Once again, most people think that in a month I should be, it should all be gone. But that's not true. It usually takes a year, a year and a half. So your symptoms will lighten, but really to really get anything like that, like mold or dealing with your gut or dealing with candida or doing any of the numbers of other things that have to do with yeast and mold and bacteria and funguses, it takes quite a bit to get that to change, to change over, and you want to do it slowly and carefully, taking a step at a time. 
So. Yeah, it's a good, it was a good 17 months for myself. So like, it was, and, and really it was four years because I didn't do it well enough the first time to where it actually wasn't all gone and it can proliferate again. So if you don't do it well enough the first time, then you're going to get it again. And like you said, I went through ozone treatments and I poked the bear. That's what you call it when you get like a really bad reaction because you go too fast too soon. So don't poke okay. the bear. You got it. Like you said, microdose, nice and slow work okay. with the practitioner. Have you seen things like the body work that you're doing or the craniosacral help people through kind of the, the trauma of the mold? Well, it's that what I think as opposed to saying help them through the trauma of the mold is that I, what I want to say is it helps the body, it allows the body to be able to handle, help it sort of be able to do the work, have the energy and do the work it needs to do as opposed to, you know, um, because we're not going to get rid of mold doing body work, okay? That that that's just not going to happen, per se. But what is is if I can help your body be normalized, and if we help you through getting getting rid of some of the trauma, or helping your body to like um, get rid of some of the pain patterns, or better function in certain parts, then it allows your body to do the detoxing that it needs to do more easily. So. That's that hand-in-hand -hand thing. Yeah. I don't ever think, I used to think, you know, in the very beginning of those first years, I thought, oh, I can heal anything. You know how you start that way? And all my teachers taught that way in the beginning. But, I, but I'm like, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, one person can, or one modality can do it all. It's not true. And it changes what you need. You know, sometimes you need this, and then sometimes you need that, you know, so... There's no one thing or one way. And there's no one way. Like somebody may be helped by you or by me, and somebody else comes, and we are unable to help them. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to say this, and I'm saying this on your podcast. Okay. There are many people that are attached to being sick or being in pain. Yes. And that they, there's no way. They are looking for somebody to help them, but they are not able to, on some other level, let go or be ready to move on. And so therefore, it's like, it's part of us to recognize that yeah. and really see that that is where they're at. And yeah. accept them where they are. Yep. I've seen that too. They identify with being sick all the time. And they're going to have to, like you said, it's got to change those beliefs into the fact that what if, what if this could be the one thing? I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to put some faith in it, you know? And so, and like you said, it isn't just one modality. And that's why I like to reach out to practitioners like yourself because we're a team of people on somebody's plan for getting better you know like so I always tell my clients I'm on your team but make sure you have other people on your team not just me like get your other practitioners on board that help you in modalities that I can't so if people want to find out more about you and look up you got some great videos on YouTube but also learn about this amazing training that you have I know a girlfriend of mine signed up for it and she's stoked about it but where can they learn about it what tell us where people can find you well people can find us on the, our website is income and a-N-K-R-U-M-Institute.com. So it's, there's all about the training there. And then the other thing I'd recommend is that they want to go on YouTube also to Anchorm Institute and watch some of the videos. We have anything from a two-minuter to an hour of over the time of all these videos that I, that, you know, that I have shot. And um, so it has all different kinds of information about the 
So I think that they would get an idea of the way I think and stuff and also look at the fact that and, and my training is big and it's deep. And it's deep and it's really about who we are and how we function. Mm -hmm. So it isn't for the faint of heart because it's filled with you learn, for sure you learn anatomy, but you also learn principles. And it's a life-changing it's a life-changing training is what it is. I, there isn't anybody that goes through it that actually, you can tell, has had a life change. It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. I never intended it for that, but it's actually kind of cool that it's yeah, happening. Yeah, that's, that's Definitely. right. Definitely. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm so jealous of my girlfriend that's coming. I'm like, man, I want to go. It <laughs> sounds so come. good. You should definitely come. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I'm excited for her, though. It's going to be yeah, great. So I have one final question I like to ask. Um, what would you say is your exquisite moment for today? Because Audrey Hepburn's quote is, I believe that every day should have at least one exquisite moment. What would your exquisite moment be today? Oh, well, that's so interesting. <laughs> okay, it's only, what is it, 2 o'clock? Yeah. It's 2 o'clock. What's my exquisite moment? Wow. Wow, I really have to be. Let me, let me definitely say that I'm having, a, I'm enjoying the heck out of myself talking to you. So uh -huh. that is really, really wonderful. I'm really enjoying it. You're really sparkly, and it's really nice to connect with somebody who has that same sort of thinking that we have, that we share in common. And so that creates a real, like, you know, sort of spark. So, so I'd, I'd say this is a good moment here. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you. The same goes for me. This is great. I love to talk with like-minded individuals who are really passionate about helping others. So that's why we do these podcasts. So Excellent. anyway, you guys check out, um, I'll have all the links that she mentioned in the show notes for the website and the okay. videos and stuff. And so thank you so much, Lee. This has been amazing. And oh, I yes, hope we can do it again. I love how unique you are and that your needs and diet are as unique as your fingerprint. That's why not every diet in the world will work for you because you're special, okay? So as your nutritionist, I believe in your bio-individuality and it's my job to act as your nutrition detective and find the root of your issues and create a more optimized U2.0. So are you looking to ease some digestive distress or maybe dial in your sleep? What about lowering environmental stress that could be causing, you know, stuff like undue anxiety what about food struggles and emotional connections to food or maybe you're simply suffering from diet confusion and not sure where to start to improve your health that's where i come in so let's set up a free 15 minute call to see if i'm right for you that's right all you're going to do is email me at getfitwithjodell at gmail.com that's J-O-D-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. And let's just chat about you and see if we're a good match when it comes to getting you the results you've been waiting for. And no matter where you are, you could be in Asia, Brazil, Chicago, or somewhere in between, we can connect via Zoom or phone or any way you like to get you the results and your health once and for all. Let me be your guide and let me be, get you there. Did you know that just one hour of blue light after the sun goes down can cause insulin spikes, sugar cravings, and throw off your melatonin production? It could be the reason why you're reaching for something sweet late at night. And virtually everyone I meet with tells me they wind down at night with a television or a little rectangle in their hand of some kind. 
So while I might not be able to have you get rid of that little rectangle in the evening, an easy and simple fix is blue light blocking glasses to block out that television, the smartphone, the tablets, those household LED lights, and even the fridge light if for some reason you need to be in the fridge after the sun sets. And Swanick Sleep makes my favorite brand. I watched my clients sleep transform and their late night munchies abate simply by wearing these glasses when the sun sets. You can get yours in the show notes below by visiting the Swanok website and using my code FIT410. That's F-I-T-F-O-R, the number 10, for 10% off your purchase. And just so you know, they have um, anti-blue light night lights for the kids' rooms and anti-blue light bulbs for your bedside lamp. Blue light doesn't have to destroy your health and you don't have to change your evening habits. Just simply change your eyewear. feeling a little blue today, but in a good way, because I took my methylene blue, that is. Two of my favorite supplements for optimizing my mitochondria, those little energy factories in virtually every cell of our body, are a product called methylene blue and also magnesium, and both can be found really great sources at lifeblood.co, the most authentic and well-researched form of methylene blue and magnesium that I have found to date is the one carried by Lifeblood. We know magnesium is our calming mineral and responsible for over 800 different processes in the human body, helping with calming you for sleep, easing constipation, creating a better heartbeat, thwarting chocolate cravings and sugar cravings, and even easing leg cramps and spasms, plus much, much more. And I don't know where I'd be during the last three years, during a time when many around us were ill without my methylene blue to keep my cells immunity going. Methylene Blue is antiviral, antiparasitic, antimicrobial, and even helps combat candida overgrowth. You can get yourself my two favorite supplements by clicking the link in the show notes for Lifeblood and using my promo code JODELL, J-O-D-E-L-L-E, to save on your very own purchase of those two items or any of the wonderful products at Lifeblood. Again, that promo code is J-O-D-E-L-L-E to save. And just visit the show notes below and click the link. I think you'll be glad you did. 